Yo, welcome to the Okay, guys, welcome to another episode. And today I'm joined by three other people that are definitely a lot smarter than me. Uh, this is the second time we're going ahead with this because the first time, man, like David on the podcast, he, he forgot to press record. Big man, you're losing your job, yeah? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but um, let's intro everyone first. Let's start with. My boy Nick, he's actually he's actually been on the podcast before. He is a strength and conditioning coach. Why don't you say hello, bro? What's going on? What's going on, guys? What's going on? Uh, my name is Nick, SNC coach. Uh, obviously Australian, and been on the podcast before. I didn't have to introduce myself too much. Everyone, can knows you tell them why you're on today? Look, I was I was just catching up with Darren because I just got back from Oz. We're having a coffee. Darren's like, I've got to do a podcast in a bit, and uh, told me what it was about. He's getting some a psychologist on and a friend who's doing his, his PhD. And, and uh, I was super interested and I just said, ask him, oh, you should ask this, you should ask that, you should ask this, you should ask that. Do you want to just get on with me and do it? And I was like, yeah, yeah fair I was enough. like, why not? Because he works with a lot of people as well as I do. So it'd be interesting to see from like a coaching standpoint as well. And mm-hmm. then we got my boy Nas here today. He's, he's my friend from jiu-jitsu who actually got me in touch with Nicole, who I'll intro in a little bit. Nas, what's going on, bro? So hi everyone. Um, my name is Nazri or Naz. I'm a PhD student in neuroscience. Uh, I have a background in psychology, child genetics, um, and yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. And an absolute killer on the jiu-jitsu mats. Too nice. It's uh, too absolute, much of a good friend. Absolute killer on the and we and we have the most beautiful doctor oh. in the house. Would you like to intro yourself again? Yes, <laughs> yes, again, Doctor Nicole Nasser. I'm a counseling psychologist. I did my. Um, D-Psych, so a bit different from a PhD. It's more of an applied uh, doctorate at here in London. And I also teach at university. And yeah. Oh, you teach at uni as well? Yeah, at um, City, City University of oh, London. Oh, sick. Wicked. Yeah. What's your background, if you don't mind me asking? Like uh, ethnically? Yeah. Yeah, I'm Lebanese. I'm oh, you're Lebanese. Yeah. Okay. You know what? In Australia, they always call me Lebanese, you know? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Are you from there? No, I'm Turkish. Well, I'm Kurdish. But, but, but lived there? Where? In Australia? Yeah, I lived in Australia for oh, a bit. Okay. Anyone that's listening, as you can know, we obviously haven't spoken much. <laughs> we literally just met. Just met outside. We, we, yeah. We literally <laughs> just met, yeah. I, I put my hand up and I was looking for someone for the podcast. <laughs> but um, today, today's episode is more so about, honestly, educating myself as well as my audience about, I guess, everything about psychology and like, what is anxiety? What is depression? Because a few weeks ago... Um, I did. I recorded an episode on the podcast where I got a little bit of shit for because I couldn't really articulate exactly what I was trying to, what what I was trying to actually say, yeah. and I feel like I don't even have the vocab to be able to actually fully explain myself. So I thought, why not get people that are hundred times smarter than me in this topic? <laughs> not hundred times, yeah, ten times, times. <laughs> ten, <laughs> ten times. So you know what? The first question I'm going to ask actually is what. Well, what is anxiety? Should I go? Yes, you're the psychologist. Well, anxiety is a, obviously a mental health disorder, but for me, anxiety is a, it's a massive spectrum because you have so many mental health disorders that are part of that anxiety spectrum. So whenever we talk about OCD, panic attack, general anxiety disorder, they're all part of, of anxiety. And I always say that the, I think the biggest problem with mental health is, is the language that we use because... Um, and I think this is also a bit what you meant in that um, in that conversation that you had is that anxiety can be 
a diagnosed mental health disorder. And it could also be just a feeling. Like, I don't have a mental health disorder, but I'm feeling quite anxious, let's say, today. Yeah. So so what what and how we define anxiety is a very personal topic. And that's why it's I think mental health language is so delicate because one person using it in a specific way does not necessarily apply it to the other ways. So when you talk about anxiety, it can be, honestly, it can be anything and everything from feeling just a bit, you know, physically uncomfortable to to actually having a proper um, diagnosis of anxiety, it can, again, be be a very general thing. So I, I always say when people want to define themselves as as a feeling or as a diagnosis, it's, it's very important to use more than just descriptive words. They're here to help us. But what do you mean by anxious? Am I having an, an anxious day? Am I just, you know, like, am I a bit uncomfortable? Or do I actually struggle with proper mental health disorder, a.k.a. anxiety or, or any other. Same goes for depression. Yeah. I'm feeling a bit depressed today, as opposed to I'm struggling with depression. Okay. And so do, it's hard. Do you think, what about you, Nas? You got anything to say about that? No, 100%. I think we have to make the distinction between uh, feeling anxious, which is completely normal. Uh, we all have uh, uh, ups and days, uh, ups and downs in our days, um, yeah. pretty much every day. But to be clinically diagnosed is a whole different category and we have to be really careful with our language. Uh, that's the key thing, as Nicole said. And I think like, say, me and Nick being coaches and dealing with, um, not dealing with, maybe that's the wrong word, coaching a lot of people, you, you, we get to coach loads of different personalities. Yeah. Loads of different personalities that have so many different jobs, stressful jobs, stressful family environments, wherever they're in. Do you think that word gets thrown around? very easily without people fully understanding what the difference between someone that's feeling anxious compared to someone that is, I guess, diagnosed with that from a doctor, for example. Mm. Well, listen, it's such a subjective experience. And again, with the word anxiety, and, and this is a bit what I, like yesterday we had a very brief talk, I anxiety for everyone around the world can mean completely different things. And um, you know, luckily enough, we we live in a country where security is here, safety is here. We have our basic needs that are that are met. So, what is anxiety for someone that is employed? Um, you know, good average salary that lives in the UK is very different from someone from a third world country who's experiencing anxiety through perhaps wars or anything like that. So, again, when we deal with people who have anxiety, we cannot and I and I cannot stress this enough. We cannot assume that their definition or description of what anxiety, depression, whatever words we're, we're using to describe a feeling is the same as, as ours. It can be, but it can also be completely different. And I think that's my, that's always my main message in life in general is that when we say that we are all different, what does it actually really, really mean? And it can go from, and I said that to you also yesterday, like I dare anyone to find two people that are similar. You can't. And anxiety for me and anxiety for my brother and sister who we've lived in that same context and same education can mean completely different things. So what do we mean? And I encourage always people to like describe your describe your feeling, describe what it is that you are feeling. Because anxiety can be thoughts, it can be a physical feeling, a discomfort, it can be anything. I, I think I think people are scared to explain how they actually feel, which yeah. is why they drop that word because I think it's actually uh, not an excuse, but an easier way to just go. To not almost actually almost a way to not explain how they feel, so someone leaves it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Am I right? But but it's hard. Like people come to therapy not knowing how to explain their feelings, and then you 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 help them. You help them communicate something that 
is so subjective. And I have so many clients that will just be like, I don't know how to explain it. Like I'm feeling this thing. I just cannot put it in words. So how how do you help them do that? And But it's a skill. I mean, communication is a skill. We don't, have, you just said it. Like I know what I want to say and I can imagine it, but I don't have the right words to do so. So sometimes your message can come across as the wrong one. And I mean, forget to say that, like, you know, you're yeah. you're a public figure. So people will just wait for you at every corner that you make a mistake. And but what if what if you actually do not have the words to describe that? Then how how do we do? And it's um, it's a very delicate topic. Just add don't. also, Darren, like you mentioned that people are talking about it a lot, a lot more and uh, using the word, these words casually um, sometimes. Uh, it's also very important to say that that's a massive improvement compared to 20 years ago where people wouldn't open up about their mental health. Yeah. So even if uh, people are using these words like anxiety or have depression, it's the beginning of a conversation which didn't take place in the past. Okay. Um, and that's amazing. And we have to embrace that. And uh, both in women and men, that's getting better. In men, there's still a lot more that needs to be done for yeah. them to open up and and express their mental health. Um, but it's a very big plus that we have to acknowledge. What Nick, go yeah, on. Yeah, so actually I was going to just ask about that, what you just mentioned. Um, differences between male and female, you're saying that, well, I'm going to generalise and say that women, it seems to be something easier. that is easier to speak about, right? Or that is, in the past, is something that is easier for them to speak about as opposed to males, right? Is that because that is like, the way that we've socially defined everything or is it something that is coming down to like a neuroscience sort of level? Is it based off that? Is it based like female and male gender or is it based off like the fact that we've just created these social... Um, Careful with that gender talk a bit, bro. No, no, <laughs> but, but, but is, that, is it that? Is it? And I, I think I just have is to put right it out question? there. Wait, but that, yeah, right no. or not, it's a it's a question of yours. And that and that's what I mean by like, we're, I mean, I don't know, man, this whole social media thing, we, we <sighs> wait for people almost to make like like a mistake about anything. And that's not okay. Like you have this question, you, you're, you're not, I mean, you're not offending me. You're, you're generally asking yourself a question. And if you come around, like you're not using the right words and someone picks up on it, then let's educate whoever is making that mistake as opposed to attacking them. Like your intention is good. So for me anyway, in this space, all questions are, are good questions, you know. Um, you're, gonna, you're going to be Darren's favorite person in a minute. Like. <laughs> yeah, I can already. I'm like, yeah, I love her, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, again, I'm, I'm a very forgiving person in, in that sense because so much is happening and the world is just developing at such a fast pace. I'll, I'll teach classes sometimes where I'm like, fuck, like, what if I use the wrong word? Like, what if I was not allowed, like, to say this? Or what, if, for example, now we don't say commit suicide anymore. We we say, like, taking your own life as opposed because committing suicide is like, it's an, it's an illegal act almost. And there's like all these, like, negative connotations. But what if, what if I didn't, what if it slipped? What if out yeah. of, like, like, you can't, that's why I'm saying, like, people have to, relax a little bit and there's always good intentions but there's no need to perhaps attack so anyway and with me don't don't worry about asking any of oh, those but, yeah. of those questions but uh, please go ahead before before i go about the gender thing because no it's a great question uh that nick asked um biologically obviously there are uh, some differences especially in terms of the hormones um comes up a lot the testosterone and the estrogen and they massively influence our, our behavior um so obviously testosterone in males is like um, correlates with aggression, motivation, drive, and so on. On the other hand, uh, uh, 
the estrogen, for example, uh, plays a role in um, how warm uh, women are, for example, generally. I'm, I'm speaking very generally here. Uh, but as a whole, I think it's a massive social construct. Right. Because I was then I was going to say, you just you just mentioned it. Males are, okay, so higher levels of testosterone. We have feelings of aggression or, or yeah, I'm going to just say that as a, gen, like yeah. a, just generally. Just say it, but yeah. don't worry. But that's still a feeling, yeah. right? It's not to say that men don't have the same emotional, yeah. um, like intelligence or capabilities of mm-hmm. women because we still have, feelings as well so yeah then it is a social construct right is what we are we're just putting these label we've used to put massive labels and and sort of split men have to be strong men have to you know not cry people don't speak their mind open even like you at the minute you're holding back and actually what you want to say (laughs) yeah because i'm on a podcast i know but it doesn't matter but this is what i'm saying yeah and this is why i i spoke really loud about it on the video i was like nah Fuck them. If no one don't understand, they can fuck but, off. Because my I'm being genuine about how I feel about I, I, I something, think right? The first time ever to hear you say, like, I'm actually, you're open to hearing people ask the questions without... Judgment. Without knowing you're going to be judged for asking the question. Because I do think it is a really delicate topic. Diren said as well, our job, we, we work with a lot of people one-to-one. It is as hard to... Well, I'm not a psychologist. Diren's not a psychologist. We have to deal with a lot of pretty serious things you know and it is difficult to navigate around it you know like but see if you don't ask it it stays on your mind and if right. it stays on your mind you don't get to change it if it needs to be to be changed and that's so, why so we have to not be we have to have no no judgment really from any of the questions and, absolutely and, and, you, have and, to and have courage. you have to have courage but but also and uh like there is a way of, of asking and like anyone that now can see you from your body language, from your hesitation, like can know that like you are generally approaching this topic, not sure how. and So why even go to like a place where like, fuck, man, he said this, he said that, like he's a, t- come on. Man. Yeah, like, I'm trying to be like, cautious ma- as but my exactly. but, yeah. but, this, but this caution can also prevent you from asking the important questions right. that can lead people people to actually uh, start changing their approach just to some to some ideas or how how do you get educated? Like how if it stays on your mind, that's it. Like we we all stay closed. We have to open these doors. And I think I think you're doing it well. Like you're not aggressive about it. You're. Do you think the people that do say bite back at say what he was saying or what I said or whatever? Do you think it's because possibly they actually agree with the harsh reality, possibly, or the fact that they're taking the opportunity to be angry? about how they actually feel about themselves, maybe. Hopefully I don't get cancelled for this one. <laughs> no, but, but, but you know, who, who are these people? These people are all massive individuals with massive backgrounds and past and experiences. And you, you we can't know. I don't know. And some of them, yes, it's like, it, it can be past trauma. It can be an, an insult that they've received somewhere. It, it can be so many things. And it could also be pure boredom and feeling powerful behind a phone where no one sees their faces but come and say that comment in front of people people are a bit more you know are are nicer and mm. so so it's it's just this this canceling culture can be very can be very mean at times and at the same time i i understand people needing to be respected needing to be well represented but how can we like let's say you, if you, if you don't read about that stuff if you don't if you're not exposed to that kind of stuff but it's on all in your mind i'm going to give you a random example like i have 
family members and 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 well family members that will say like will have their own ideas of for example um well the whole lgbtq plus community but if they don't voice these things and these prejudgments that they have about it how can i come and educate them about it and as long as people are open to these conversations as long as people are open to to changing right. minds and if someone picks up on something negative that you've said or not educate Darren like educate yeah. me it, yeah, yeah. Who, whatever it doesn't need to be aggressive now there are also levels if you say something that is so obviously offensive yeah yeah that's different like, yeah that yeah, is that's very different. different but whenever we're approaching especially if it's a topic that we're not too aware of and we're getting ourselves into it's just people need to be nice sir <laughs> yeah. compassion like just being a bit more compassionate but again there are limits yeah of course if I come here and say something I mean just completely out of line I, I think it's fair enough perhaps to be attacked in a way that, you know, we live in 2022. You you should know about that stuff. But now? Do you think do you think it's hard to be nice when you're not happy? Well, probably it's because you're not nice with your own self. Interesting. Doesn't it start all with that? Like, Does it? I don't know. I mean, I always say, how can you be or do something for someone else if you can't even do it for yourself? There's, um, when I started my, my doctorate, I... I saw this client for like 10 sessions. She came for like phobia of, of tubes and uh, treated the phobia and, and I was done. And I told my supervisor, I'm like, yeah, like she she's done with therapy. She looked at me, she said, you know that it's a lot more than just like a phobia of of, of trains. Like this is, this, she has an anxiety problem. You need to dig deeper. And I said, but I don't know how to do that. And she said, well, in your own therapy, are you going there? And I said, no, my therapist is very shallow. Like she's not treating that. So, well, exactly. How can you take someone somewhere that you've never been yourself? And it's the same concept with like being nice, being kind with your own self. How can you be nice and kind with other people when even with yourself, you can't. And oddly enough, we're we're kinder, sorry, we're kinder with our friends than we are with ourselves as well. Mm. So how does that even work? Yeah, but that's but true. then if you dig really, really deep, you you realize that it's, it's it's almost this discomfort of like sitting with yourself and being being good and compassionate with with who you are. To add to what Nicole was saying and uh, Nick's question earlier, actually, uh, he was asking for men: Why do men behave in in those particular ways? Why they don't, for example, open up and express themselves? We also have to be careful in generalizing all men. Uh, that's a very key thing because um, uh, some men are comfortable with it and you have to sort of start also looking back at uh, how that originates. And a lot of it comes from like, um, Nicole will tell you for sure, child-parent interaction early on. Uh, whenever the child uh, experiences anxiety, cries, uh, starts developing and shows emotion, how does the parent respond to that? And I feel like a lot of the times with men, especially or boys, uh, we tell our, our, our sons, our boys to man up and be tough. And there's an element to that. And, and it's important uh, because life is hard and you have to be, you have to be tough. Uh, by the same time, uh, all these encouraging boys to be tough and not to open up can result in people building up all that anxiety and stress. And eventually that can uh, come out in the wrong, wrong way. So I think what Nicole said earlier about how everyone is different and every anxiety is different. Is so so true, and that has to be a key message that you yeah. put across. That I reckon that's massive. Like to know that what, yeah, I think what you said that really hit with me. That it's a subjective word, or it's a subjective feeling, because everybody experiences different. 
types of anxiety, like you said. And it doesn't matter if you grew up in the same house. Um, you know, I've, what, five brothers, two sisters, and, you know, growing up in a big family, you look at it now and you think, I think, you know, everybody's going through different things, but we all grew up together. It, it doesn't matter. It's still subjective, right? So, so, like, we, I cannot insist enough on, on, on how important it is. Like for me, we're all unique and different is a lot more than just a fucking Instagram post. Like yeah. it's, yeah. it means something. So what does it actually really mean? If, if you just think about the, so, so we're all born with like a different, um, biology. We're all born with, with, with different genes. Even if you have a, a, an identical twin brother, there's still some differences there. Then if you, just your, your daily interaction if if i have if my my identical twin and i which i don't have one go to that same school but the teacher yells at me and doesn't yell at her for example that's it my my experience of life has already changed a, a little bit so if you take all these little things we are affected by everything right everything right when i say every i cannot stress that stress that enough we are affected by every single thing around us so how can we even come in front of another another individual and just expect them to be similar to us mm-hmm. and yes we have some shared experiences from but everything about who we are is different and that people tend to sometimes forget that so would you say then i can never truly understand how someone feels about a specific thing because I will never understand. I can try. And that, that's where empathy comes in. I can try. And that's that's what my job is. My job. And I said, I, I sometimes I'll do that. My clients will see me like I close my eyes and I'm like concentrating on really trying to imagine how it is. But still, as I'm imagining this, I can try to imagine it as what it is like for someone that grew up in this environment. But, but at the end of the day, as much as I try to get it at 100%, you cannot. And that is a f- like acknowledging that is the biggest favor that you can also do to another person. Yeah, that's true. And, and I pay very much attention, like even when I try to motivate some of my clients, when, I mean, I do come from a very Christian background where like there's a lot of like preaching and uh, so so motivational speeches, most of my sessions will always end with something a bit more motivational just to like encourage clients. Um, but I can't expect them to to receive that speech or that content the same way that that I would. And again, the biggest favor that I can do to whoever is to take that into consideration. We are all different. Would, would you say, um, from I guess a brain standpoint and like a personality standpoint, is there any negatives to me giving too much empathy? It's a really good question. Uh, I don't think so. No. I think empathy is a positive trait, a positive feeling to share with others. Uh, there's plenty of evidence uh, showing how uh, social uh, c- connections, empathy, love, these feelings are humans are very, very responsive to, like massively responsive to. There's evidence that long-term stress and anxiety can be reduced through personal connections, uh, through uh, communication, through empathy. Um Beyond medication, these things have been proven to be super effective. Uh, something such as a positive social connection increases like serotonin in your brain. It's a chemical that's released uh, when you feel, feel good, when you feel happy. Uh, so it has a massive impact on your well-being, being nice. And on top of that, uh, think about lockdown. Think about the last couple of years, how tough it was for people to be alone, be uh, excluded from society excluded from seeing their friends that had a massive impact and that's why i think uh, we're lacking and and um, people need to always be empathetic towards others 
on top of that, like there's multiple studies that have um, looked at older people and so their risk of death. So you have sort of two groups of older people. You have people that have a natural social connection with people and others that don't actually have that. And those without those social connections are increased risk of death and illness. That's how important those social connections are. That's how important empathy and love are to people's well-being and, he- well-being and health. Uh, so I think that's so, so You know crucial. what? That probably like my granddad mm. lived to like 96, <laughs> 97. My grandma at the minute is like 96. Mm. He had 12, 11 kids. Like my dad's got like 11 siblings and there's kids everywhere. There's people everywhere. There's love 100%. pretty much everywhere, which is probably a reason why their lifespan was probably like really long compared to say someone, um, well, depending on what culture it is as well, where you have kids 18 years old, they move out of house. You see him once or twice a year. So I can see, I guess I've seen that in kind of reality. What about your standpoint on that? I, I wanted to ask you, what, what, where does your fantasy take you when you say too much empathy? Why, <clears throat> what, what are you imagining? Great question. I love this shit, man. Um, <laughs> I think of it in, okay, so I coach a lot of people, right? Yeah. And sometimes I think when you give too much empathy, people can take that and use that as an advantage to potentially find it as an excuse to be possibly lazy. Okay. Therefore not do the things that they're supposed to do from say a training standpoint. Because mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm saying it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about training today. I understand. You don't have to train today. I know how you're feeling. Sometimes they can take advantage of that on days, on days, on days. So I'm like, well, hold on a second. Now it's having a negative effect. So I was wondering if it would have a negative effect because that, that what, what you're saying is that you become almost like um, uh, you become like almost an instrument to their avoidance as well. Okay. You become complicit to, to their avoidance. What does that mean? Complicit? In, compli- like you, if, if they are avoiders of certain things, let's yeah. say they don't want to exercise, it's, they're finding it a bit too hard and all. This empathy that, that, that you are describing becomes like, like you are helping them in that avoidance. Okay. If, if, if that was yes, what you yeah. mean, but like with too much empathy. My, I also want to mention that like, for example, t- tough love is still, so it's not, empathy is understanding something from someone's point of view. But what you do with it after, it, it's we're, we're going away from like, it, it's the action part. Okay. I can be very empathic towards a client, but then be a bit tough love. All right, hon, like I get where you're coming from and that must be horrible, but we also need to do this and that. Or do you see what I mean? So what what I do from my standpoint is I do that. I make sure before I give any level of tough love to anyone, I make sure they have my respect. Or I know they wouldn't listen because I wouldn't listen. If I've just met, like when we first met at jujitsu, I didn't rock up in there like... I just do my thing. I'll be quiet. I'll wait for the right time until some of the boys that I know kind of respect me knowing, okay, this guy's not a dickhead. We can chat to him. 100%. And then I bring, not my, not that I wasn't being myself. I was just being a bit more chilled until I got a bit of the respect that they know if I said something or a joke, they know it comes from a good place, you know? Absolutely. There's, there's a technique in therapy that we call um, empathic confrontation. Just think about those two words, empathic confrontation. Be- being empathic is not being silent or again becoming like a, an instrument to, to to this avoidance. You can confront someone, but do it can do it doing it in such an empathic way, and that for me is such a concept because that's that's what brings change. That's what brings just when people come to therapies because they want to change something. How do you do this change while still being 
this this empathic figure in their life that like feels safe and secure and and containing for for them. So I always think it's like what you said, you wouldn't come and confront someone that you just met or even if you did, you perhaps wouldn't be very harsh or like scream on them and whereas that empathic confrontation is I understand you but I'm here to help. Let me tell you how I think we 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 can do that together understanding who you are and where you come from and and all the different reasons why this may be a difficult thing for you but I go back to to this concept tough love is still a form of love and that is I very I love very, that clip that <laughs> tough love is still love oh but, wicked yeah but see it's yeah. Uh, and it depends not everyone has almost the ability to to engage in tough love because some people are tough regardless and then you put them in a situation where it's tough love it can be it can be harsh for the recipient of this but i mean i'm talking about myself in that context on that context of uh, in therapy people know that i can be very kind and very gentle with them and all but if i come in and i'm like that's it we've been talking about this thing for the past six months come on man like we we need to move on from from this this is becoming too to whatever, like I'm just giving random examples here, but that's that's empathic confrontation. And that is important for the person to sometimes be like, hmm, okay. Has there been times where there's been like a negative effect of that? If if you do it, if you do it too soon, if you do it in a, like from a mood, and, and again, you know, when you see clients for, for a very long time and you have clients that really come in with like, very repetitive stuff sometimes and obsessions and all. If you do it from a place where like you are feeling a bit impatient or it's bothering you and all, yeah, of course it can come out. Okay. But again, we are human and I've had clients, I've said something to to a client one time. She, she, I cannot exactly remember what it was, but like she got upset and she told me, I can't even believe that you would say something like that, like that to me. And that's when you, you repair the relationship and these things happen. Okay, yeah. Again, for me, therapy is a representation of what happens in the real world. In the real world, whether it's with the, your parents, your partners, your friends, people that love you more than anything, confrontation needs to happen. Ruptures do happen. Fights, conflicts. Conflicts is also a form of communications. They are important. That's fine. That's good. Yeah. It's Just healthy. To add as well, even to add, uh, Darren, to what you were saying, uh, empathy is very sort of, you have to apply in the right context, especially as you're dealing with clients a lot. Uh, it's been a tough tough couple of years, like I said, with the, the pandemic. And uh, especially it's from a neuroscience point of view, I'm super interested in this. People's brains have become, started to become uh, rewired to habits that they were not used to previously. So now people engage in, for example, like let's, let's use working out, uh, motivation, uh, structures in the brain that support those things. They don't work like they used to. It takes time to reset those things back to sort of normal. So the last couple of years of sitting at home, uh, stressing about your well-being, the health of your relatives, your grandparents, uh, not going to the gym, these things all impact and shape your brain. Your brain is very plastic. A lot mm. of people don't realize that. Your brain undergoes change. And that's what's happened in the last two years. So then if you have a client that comes in, and says, okay, I need some help. Um, I'm feeling unmotivated. If you fire at them straight away, they're going to struggle. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. lot. It's a lot for them. Um, so as Nicole said very nicely, uh, tough love is great. It's just about reading your client. and You're excellent at that. So, How much can the brain change? So much. So, so much. It's so plastic that... Even neuroscientists are surprised by that. 
So for a long time, people thought the brain is this static machine, remains the same, uh, this hard sort of wired system. The brain changes so much as, I mean, Nicole, I'm sure you know, uh, things such as medication, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, actually changing your attitude towards things. All of those things can change the shape of your brain. Um, one of my favorite studies that shows this is a research study done in London where they basically invited some taxi drivers um, to, uh, to the lab and basically scanned their brains. So I don't know if you know about London taxi drivers, but basically they have to do one of the most extensive uh, black studies. Abs. Yeah, black, black, abs. Lab, black, yeah. black abs, exactly. Uh, a test called The Knowledge. It's like you have to know every street in London pretty much. Mm. It's like so, so tough. Um, and these people undergo this test and you scan their brains and you find that areas linked to memory formation, uh, like the hippocampus, for example, become a lot thicker. It's actually, they actually change in shape. Um, so it's super interesting. So from a therapy point of view, even there's a, a lot of positive news. A lot of neuroscientists are saying that by working on uh, through systems like cognitive behavioral therapy, you can actually change your brain and you can develop better habits. Uh, it's very, very important. Well, we, we are animal of habits. Just, just this, this concept. How, how quickly did we adapt to the pandemic? From going to like 24-7 outside of the house, just going to work every day, to adapting to this lifestyle and then re having to readapt to like going back to work, which is really tough. But we are animals of habits. And yeah. and that is a crazy concept. Absolutely. And in therapy, of course, like when simple as like when I have clients that come in for like smoking cessation, like they want to stop smoking. The habit that goes into the, I wake up, it's it's so automatic. And I, I always talk about that, like as automatic pathways in the brain, 100%. things that we do without, it's like driving. I don't know if you guys drive, but like yeah, yeah. you do it now. Well, if you drive well, you yeah. do it now without thinking. Yeah. How crazy is that? Whereas a couple of years ago when you learn, it was all about the, the massive thinking that you would do through that. So yeah, the brain is the, I mean, obviously it's the most complex organ of the, of the body. Okay, go on. But no, it's great even to, I mean, I just had to Nicole say, there's uh, plenty, of, plenty of opportunities to actually uh, change that rewiring and break those habits, mm -hmm. especially those negative habits. Um, so habits are built in the brain through neurons, so the brain cells being co-active at the same time. So whenever you repeat an, a habit over or an activity over time, let's say you do it over a few weeks, Neurons responsible supporting their behavior will start to connect and build a stronger connection. Now, over time, it becomes automatic because those neurons are firing, they're well-built, well-structured, connected. So for you to break that habit, you have to break that neuronal connection. And the way to do that is through behavior. Uh, well, behavior is one of the ways to do it. and um, Which you have to force. You have to, it requires a lot of mental strength. It requires a lot of resilience. Uh, it's super <laughs> interesting. Um, one uh, research study I was looking at uh, was um, to break negative habits. They were saying that you have to replace your bad habit with a better habit and experience the pain because there will be pain initially. Uh, for example, if you want to break your smoking uh, habit, let's say you wake up in the morning, first thing you smoke. When you get to that point of view, that habit is so automatic, those neurons are so connected and firing together, so active together. For you to break that requires a lot of will. And your brain's going to make you feel pain. It's going, going to be very tough. Yeah, yeah. Physically, physically. Physical like your pain. physical symptoms are your worst enemy when you're trying to change something. When you're anxious, when 
any anything that happens physically. And that's why, for example, like medication like Xanax, Valium, Lexo, like all these medications, they benzodiazepines, which are, you know, four hours, five, five hours effect. What they do is that, so for example, I'll take some when I fly because I hate flying. And every time there's like turbulence, I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> so my body reacts that like uh, fight or flight, like you are going to die. So the symptoms are just unbearable. If I take a, if I pop a pill, that's it. There are no, my mind still goes, oh, I'm going to die. But there's not this um, physical reaction. And suddenly it's better. It feels more peaceful. But how do you fight that if you're not popping a pill? So that that's the really tough work that... That, that requires ther- the strength. Yeah, that, that, that therapists do. Would you say uh, taking those sort of drugs um, is, okay, not not a cheat cold, but would you say it's necessary no well would you say would, would that, okay basically if say if that was me in that situation i need to take um uh drugs for i don't know say i've got i'm really anxious or whatever um is that me avoiding the hard work is that me avoiding the struggle and and okay so that that is a very good topic because for antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication um so we're going to separate them because medication for mental health problems, it really, like you have schizophrenia, bipolar, where medication is a necessity here. As much as you want to do therapy here, the brain has 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 a lack of certain neurotransmitters, like you have to. Okay. Um, and there is no, the therapy is more of a support. Uh, I mean, schizophrenia, we call it the cancer of mental health illnesses. As much as you want to do therapy, there's there's a malformation in the, in the brain and that's it. However, whenever I have clients, for example, that come into therapy, so I have clients usually with mental health are separated into two people that just want the medication they don't want to do the 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 difficult work and others that are like fuck the medication i want to do the difficult work because i'm looking for long-term solutions it doesn't serve any purpose for me to even have to take the medication if the main problem is still there how do i approach these people is that they come into therapy great we talk we, we we see where we are but there are endless times that i have looked at clients and i'm like listen you are you are so depressed that even the therapy work is not registering. You are not able to to do that work. And I and I very often compare medication to like it's like breaking your leg. Um, if I'm so breaking the leg is is the depression. If my leg is broken, but I need to go to rehab, um, I may need crutches. Mm. The crutches is the medication to help you get into into this rehab. Some people are like, no, no, no I want to do it without fucking crutches. And I'm like, okay, but what are you doing to your leg coming into rehab every day or trying to run on it? Or try, you're, you're hurting it even more at times. And some people need to just like stop, stop, sit down, take the crutches for a couple of weeks. Just use that without even coming to rehab. They come to rehab, like yeah. they come to therapy, but you need that additional support. And many therapists are against medication. Many therapists will say uh, medication is just you not being able to really get into the deepness of it. But I mean, listen, it's like I had a headache before coming here. I could have stayed with the headache and be like, no, nah, I'm struggling and trying to yeah. do my breathing exercise or just pop two sopadeen and like come here and be, and do my work. Yeah. Like, do, do you see what I mean? It's almost so, like a staging thing where you're like, we need you to do this so I can times, get you to understand. At times, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. when you have clients that are so suicidal, that that do not want to be around anymore, they, they want to tap out of life. 
why am I going to come and tell him, do some breathing exercises? Let's talk about your childhood. They don't like there's an there's an urgency here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that's where I say, listen, we need we need to work with a psychiatrist. You may need medication. It's what it's a treatment of one year, two years, sometimes at times, six months, even at times. But let's get just this kicked in so that you can start processing the the difficult work that we're doing here. And research will show you medication and therapy is the best yes. um, treatment for mental health. But there are times that medication is not necessary and you can do the work without it. And other times where it's, it's a no-brainer for me. Now, therapists have different No, opinions. but just even to add, I mean, uh, with those sort of more serious cases, but even more generally, it is a biological disease. It's worth mentioning. Um, there's imbalance in your neurotransmitters, the dopamines, the serotonin, uh, noradrenaline. These are three chemicals, uh, particularly that are uh, imbalanced or not functioning the way they're supposed to. So those biological uh, mechanisms require rebalancing. And that's where uh, medication does come in and is useful. Um, it's been proven over and over again. You, you know, you take pills for like you take uh, pills to treat uh, your level of dopamine, increase your level of dopamine. You start enjoying life more like that's just proven. Um, but I think just I really like what you said about this kind of long term effects. And it's been proven that cognitive behavioral therapy or uh, therapy uh, really has those long benefits, the long-term benefits. It's really interesting. Nick, I know what you're thinking. What? It's the only podcast where I've heard Dylan not talk as much. Okay. <laughs> I'm learning so much. Yeah, this is this is great. <laughs> I'm this learning. Great. So, I'm gonna charge you for this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say um, uh, personality types? I know you mentioned like yesterday a bit, and I think I think you mentioned because I. I guess it's important for people to know how much difference it can make. Do you want to? Do you want to touch up on that? Yeah, I mean, when when we were talking about how different and unique people are, the the main one of the main components for me that I think is not very much talked about is personality types, and people tend to forget that. Pers- you know when they say like if you're an optimist or you're a pessimist, your life perception changes. So imagine if we were to decorticate that even more. Uh, now the, the 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 most popular one says that like there are sixteen different types of of personalities. So if we think about those, just always thinking about probabilities of like how can I be who like all the different things that had to happen in order for me to be the person that I am. And personality is one of them. And I always say, especially like, cause I was, I, we were talking about it in terms of like your, your, your professions, like be, being PTs as well. And um, I always noticed that like, so, so I go to like classes like Cobox. I don't know if it's like the enemy here. No, no, but like, no, 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 no. It's fine. No. Like, uh, no, this is, we saw love, empathy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. We're all but, showing the love. We're understanding. I'll give, we, you, my, I'll give you my business card. <laughs> <laughs> we love but, martial arts. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's not, for me, it's not a coincidence that most of the time the people that are in these contexts are like super bubbly and always happy and energetic and blah, blah. And you have those people that are just like, oh, like that good um, energy is just like, it's tiring for, for some people. And I, and I, whenever we are to encourage someone or we are to um, push them to do something like that, we need to understand that some of us are blessed with personalities that make life way fucking easier. So is there like a, way. from a, I guess, maybe environmental, like growing up and that, as well as like the brain genetically, I feel like I'm lucky because my dad's quite bubbly, right? And um, his family, they seem like that as well. So is there, a, is there a big genetic Passover in the sense of me 
possibly being blessed with this sort of energy levels? Yes or no? Yeah, I mean, your behavior, your actions are a combination of uh, your genetic background. So obviously, um, your parents pass on that, that information to you. Uh, but on top of that, the environment is really important. Uh, that's why, I mean, generally, you're quite similar to your siblings. There, there is variation, but generally, you, you stay quite similar. Uh, the key thing, I, I think, to, with personality that's so interesting, uh, even, is... Um, how does someone's personality differs to sort of the more extreme cases where we have like uh, people like the psychopaths, for example, how do their brain operate? It's like super interesting. And it's quite a lot of evidence actually that their brain functions differently to ours. Uh, certain circuits, uh, they, the prefrontal cortex at the front of your brain helps dealing with decision-making, um, situational judgment and so on. And the amygdala, another structure important for emo emotional regulations Things like those those structures, like if they're not functioning properly, that's going to define your personality. That's going to affect your personality. That's going to affect how you respond to stress and what type of person you are. So there's a whole also biological basis to your personality. And I think um, that's why it's important even for medicine to understand that you can't treat the same person the same way. There's a lot of variation. So like you mentioned 16, I've heard five i've heard eight i've heard so many theories so it's just an endless spectrum so is this then so i'm just going to say the disc you know the disc personality uh test no? yeah yes the, it's the, like four there's like d-i-s-c i think it is it's okay like, no i don't know this one i think i did it when i was in high school right okay. and i just this just came to my mind no so i did this disc test put me in whatever category like absolutely amazing i can't remember but um <laughs> <laughs> now nah, but put you in something and then i guess even with everybody, you're going to be critical of yourself. Most people are critical of themselves and they probably, I, I, I looked at the positive things, but I was like, no, okay. But I'm still, the thing was like, that got me the most was like, you know, um, not great at leadership. And I was like, no, nah, I, I want to be. Shit at sports. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get that? <laughs> hey, I'll turn your mic off. <laughs> just screaming, just screaming. He, plays, he plays tag rugby and I'm like, tag rugby? What the, what the fuck is that, bro? We need Where to get into jiu-jitsu. Yeah, like, can you see? Can you see? Hey, I'm trying to motivate you. The bully, the bully. The bully. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't analyze me. No, no. But, right, so... I thought, okay, well, you know, these things he said wasn't wasn't great at leadership, right? But I just did a test, like just a couple of multiple choice questions. It's telling me that I'm not good at leadership. And then I got in my head, it was like, oh, I have to get better at that. I have to do things to be a better leader and all this stuff. Like, is first of all, is that something that you can train, your personality types? Can you shift from, you know, different types? And second of all, are we what we come back to the the one of the first things we spoke about like when you sort of group people we're talking about males we say males aren't very good at speaking out about their emotions and females are better grouping people like this and like you said someone who's a pessimist an optimist or a realist by putting that label on someone straight away is that a good thing you understanding that about yourself is it good or is it bad because do you do you then just sort of like boom I'm not I'm an optimist or oh, sorry I'm I'm a realist now, so like you know, any a, anything else that I get, like any other opportunities I get, no, no, I've got to take this like realistic approach. This is me view. now. <laughs> this is me now. Do you know I mean, what I mean? Man, some people love labels. Some people fucking hate them. So is it good like, or bad? Or is but it... but again, it it's, it's a for every. It's yeah. so it's so like I have clients that are like, please, for the love of God, diagnose me. Tell me <laughs> what I have. Like I just want to know: Am I going crazy or is this a real thing? 
And then you have people that are like, for the love of God, please do not put a label on me because this will sh- just scare me. That's so, me so when I'm dating girls. <laughs> and to put labels on. <laughs> don't, don't put, label don't put a label on me. <laughs> But you see what I mean? It's it's such a again it's such so, so a subject, it's, 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 it's such a u- unique answer. Like like it's um, again for example with with me for example like when so when I started having panic attacks I I didn't know what they were and then someone came in and was like you know you're having panic attacks I felt like the weight of the world went off my off my shoulders oh. and I'm like oh thank God like I'm not going crazy I'm going through something physical in in my brain and and it's not like it's not me. It's it's something more. And then again, I have people that are like, don't, just don't put any labels. But in terms of like personalities, there are a lot of personalities that, that talk about skills. And then mm. there are a lot of personalities that talk about life perception. Okay. And when you say, for example, like when I say wow. you you're blessed with a with an energy, you the way that you view life, you know, you have some people that are hungry for life. And then you have that same sibling that is just like fine whatever I'll just ride along like it's and and that for me and and you have babies babies that are two months old that you see some are just like like that all the time and then you have the other ones that are like always giggly and and like very very uh, sensitive to like things that are happening around them and empathy for example you, you have level yes it's a skill that you can try to train but you have people that really find it so difficult to have it other people it feels so natural and that's where we get into like IQ, EQ, like there are things that it's it's a combination of of genes. And please correct me here if I'm wrong. It's not one gene. It's not that you're either smart or stupid. It's it's a combination of things that makes you, for example, a bit more clever than like the average, or you're able to like you know when people say I'm more visual than yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like what what is that based on? You know, it has nothing to do with like well, not nothing, but it's not just your environment and, and the way that you were brought up. It's the way that your brain functions on some stuff. And when when you put this and addition it to this and this and this, and that's that's what makes, oops, sorry, that's what makes us, again, all unique. Your, your, your life perception, and again, you talk about an energy, perhaps it's easier for you to just go go through life because you don't have these thoughts that like can come in and creep in or this like uh, if you're in a bad mood your your resilience level are quite good you can bounce back quite quite easily but not everyone is blessed with that and that's why I go back to this point that we cannot expect people to bounce back from certain situations I have a client at the moment he's feeling very very suicidal nothing has happened in his life absolutely nothing great job good family children uh, very comfortable uh, has a couple of vacations a year very very good life his colleague, who's younger, just battled cancer. She's very happy. She's always bubbly, smiley, and she just went through cancer. He's gone through nothing and he's feeling suicidal. I spent the whole session explaining to him that we are all so different. You cannot, you cannot compare yourself to that. Can I ask something about that? Obviously, without going into the, your client's of situation. Course, Do you think someone can feel like that because there is sometimes nothing wrong? Yeah. Are they projecting it onto themselves to give like, themselves something to, like exciting in their life? Is that what you I'm mean? Like, I'm like, I'm happy Not about exciting, certain but... things. Like, mm. I've got a nice car now. And I love that because I, I never had a car before. I've always dreamt of that. Or I'm staying in an area where now I'm not in a council flat in East London. I'm I'm living in Clapham Junction, like a nice place. And that's because I, not maybe not a struggle, but I saw shit, I guess, first. Now I've done something to have something 
what I think is very decent. So I guess I appreciate that more. If when sometimes nothing goes wrong, which is what I was actually trying to explain that got me into a lot of trouble, is sometimes do you think when things are, I guess, I'm not going to use the word perfect, but when there is nothing going wrong or you have nothing to compare it to, do you reckon it's easier for people to go into that mindset of, or maybe even just floating around going, like, what is this? Yeah. What's going on? I, I'm, I, I'll just put it out there that I generally don't think that people would get to the point of wanting to tap out of life and not like, like not wanting to be around. But you, you again, what we were saying, like, so, so yeah, so, so to answer that, that first part, I doubt that someone that is almost, you know, bored would even go there to that extent. Because that's extreme. It's Cause, an extreme. Because again, it's the question of, imagine what could have happened in your life for you to be like, I don't want to be around anymore. Yeah. Right. Like that's massive for someone to say like, I'm done. I, I do not want to do life anymore. Like, it's such a massive idea. And that is different, yes. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is why genetics are really important to consider. I mean, there's literally studies done on thousands of people in New Zealand that have shown that um, if you have a certain piece of gene, so they call it polymorphism, uh, if you have that particular one for serotonin, uh, the chemical that I mentioned earlier, you're literally at increased risk of depression. So just excluding the life factors, yeah, yeah. some people are naturally more prone to yeah, depression yeah. than others. That's why we have to be very careful when um, uh, dealing with people, let's say those that have had an easy life and, and so on. Uh, I totally understand what you mean, obviously. Uh, but because of that genetic basis, um, you're at risk. Uh, the way I like to, the analogy I like to use is imagine you have a cliff and you're standing on a cliff and you falling off is you developing depression how close you are to that cliff, to that, to that edge of that cliff is your genetic risk. Oh. Yeah. So if you really have the, those genes, the 5-HTTP serotonin receptor, for example, you're close to the edge. So it requires a little push, a little stress in your life to fall over the edge and develop depression. Some people don't have that, that gene or, or those genetic uh, risk factors. So they're a lot further from that edge. So it requires so much more, so much more like stress experience. Uh, a lot, of, a lot more has to go wrong in your life for you to be tipped over the, the edge and fall and develop depression. Okay. And um, and yeah, which I which I really I, I really like that. And again, you know, one over four people um, develop depression. Like now we're four. One of us would develop depression. Multiply this by two, by three. You have such a massive part of the of the and and again in mental health we call it the flu of mental health because it's so common. It's one of the most common things that that will happen, and most people will experience at least a depressive phase in in their life once. Like it it that stuff happens. But what you are what you were talking about is is getting to a point in your life where you have met all of your needs. Everything has been met. Now what do I do? And that it's not it's not that I don't have anything to do hence or like I don't have anything to worry about hence I, I will be depressed but it's what leads you there like for example boredom uh, inactivity uh, not feeling excited about about anything these feelings don't 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 secrete enough of the happy hormones in, in your brain and as a result of that so as, as a result of that you can start feeling depressed but you ha you then have people that are very grateful and can just you have people that have not much and never and, 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 encounter and happy yeah and, yeah. and happy so yeah. so what 
So again, it's 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 so personal. It is so personal. And maybe if you had everything, then you would imagine yourself. I mean, I I, I said that to my to my husband the other day. I'm like, what if like I don't know, like we we become millionaire. Like, would you would you would stop you working? Yeah, no, I, I said, would you stop working? He looked at me. He's like, never. I'm yeah. like, well, you would still continue like working. So maybe I would change jobs, but I can never see myself not doing anything because that is a drive that keeps me alive. It keeps me yeah. from, Pur- from purpose. like, yeah, yeah, purpose. just yeah. A, a purpose. And what you are talking about feels like someone that doesn't have any purpose. It's so, and, and it doesn't, it's not even, I mean, I used money as an example. It's not even money. Not you have a lot of people that are just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's, what's my mission in life. And, Again, I'm sorry, I'm I'm going no, in, no, all, go, in all go, places. Go. But, I love all this but stuff. um I your mission, what's your mission in life? What no one asks you that, sorry. No one ever asks you that that kind of questions. No one goes in, your parents don't go in and be like, you have you have to decide how you want to live your life. You have a mission here, whether it's through your job, your friendships, your 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 encounters, who you are as a person. There is a mission. What is this mission? I think sometimes it's um, people find it very difficult to find because they're surrounded by the wrong people. And by surrounding yourself with the right people, and I guess having that human connection, for example, has created this for me today. Yeah. I wouldn't have met you if I wasn't the way I am with Nas, for example. Nick wouldn't be here if he wasn't nice to me when I first met him when when we were 19. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think sometimes putting yourself in an environment where you need to make good friends and putting yourself out there, which I guess isn't easy for a lot of people, but people need to start growing the courage to do that more, especially if you're saying, you're saying one in four people are going to be different. Is that going up or do you know? Uh, definitely. I mean, risks of uh, mental health conditions, uh, the becoming a real pandemic uh the mental health is becoming a pandemic. Yeah. Neurological diseases are becoming a pandemic. So the Alzheimer's expected to triple by 2050. So uh, it's constantly, what? yeah, no, triple. It's, yeah, it's going up and going up all the time. Um, and uh, a lot of it is uh, because of the genetic factors we mentioned, the, the struggles with communicating, seeing therapy and so on. Uh, but one thing that was really nice that Nick said, he asked whether uh, personality types can change. And you talked about like friends and how like uh, your friends can shape you and, 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 and so on. That's a super interesting question because personality types can change, especially when you're a teenager. Your brain is undergoing so much change mm. in that phase. So much physical, functional changes happen to your brain that uh, naturally you're constantly changing. And that's why you have like these teenagers that sometimes feel high, sometimes feel low, sometimes feel happy and sometimes feel down. And your friends that surround you either reinforce those behaviors or punish them. And that shapes your personality massively. And that's why a lot of, I'm sure you've bumped into friends that you met at 15 and they're a lot different to now. Maybe they're fixed up. And We were talking yeah. about this on the way here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's a massive thing to, to recognize how much change happens to the human brain as uh, teenagers are developing. And your personality types will change. So I wouldn't be too too discouraged about uh, not scoring on leadership. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, bro, don't worry, we, can, we got this, bro. What, what would you say and what, what have you guys seen that has helped improve people's mental health the most from a brand, brain standpoint and people that you've worked with? What Exercising. 
is, that, the, is, is that, the biggest thing. <laughs> I know. Well, no, it's not, it's not the biggest thing, but, but I'm one assuming that it's one of the things. What that... she said was, let me cut the biggest thing is www.projectx.fit. <laughs> Beer and cartel coaching. If you want a real personal training. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say to those people that I say are going for a tough time? Because I know there's, we all go for, like, I'm not going to lie, I had a shit fucking morning this morning. I was so... Stacked up with work. I was on the phone. I was yelling to my sister. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, Sina, what's going on? Like, I went, I had a stressful morning. But in my head, I was like, I need to flip this. I need to do something. I need to do something to flip this. I had the right people around me to help me flip that. I see what you're talking about is resilience. That's resilience. And and that is, it, resilience is it's so many different factors. You said something important. You were surrounded with the right kind of people today in order to bounce back from this difficult morning. A lot of people don't have that. A lot of people... Go ahead. Well, but then my like argument to that is, are there not people who are avoidant personality types who actually prefer to be away from people, who, who prefer to distance themselves from people yeah. in those situations, right? So if if they are having a bad morning, then they would like to oh, yeah, or if they're yeah, yeah, and if, and then and then perhaps that's their way to bounce back. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's different. It's different factors, but the fact that like you have you have good resilience, that that is an important factor to take into consideration. Your life can be a lot easier because life is not about not experiencing lows. It's about whenever you experience lows, you can bounce back from them quite well. And that's what we've seen, especially dur during the lockdown, is that people's resilience started going lower. People felt a lot more alone. People are not maybe sleeping, eating correctly. You have so many factors that tap into your resilience. Sleep. Give yourself two, three nights of bad sleep. Can you can you tolerate anything oh, around no. you? A few nights of drinking, I'm out. Yeah. Man. I can't even function. For, for example, put this as uh, on top of like a critical voice that that you have. And to answer that first question that you said, What's the main thing to improve people's uh, mental health? Um, so, of course, exercise and all of that, yeah, of yeah. course. But these these are accessories to help. But the real essence is compassion, self-compassion, self-love. It's I know it's so cliche and I'm everything except a, a cliche person when it comes to that. <laughs> but just go back into like what this actually really means. That is the best thing that you can do for your mental health. One of my main messages whenever I, I used to give those resilience workshops, I said, you need to remember that part of being resilient is also accepting when you are not resilient mm -hmm. and accepting the fact to just chill, have a horrible time, cry it out, don't do anything, don't feel the, the pressure to bounce back from this. Sometimes you just need to, to lay in that area. I feel that sometimes, I'm not going to yeah, lie. I do, when I you're do, just yeah. like, you know what, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to bounce back. I don't want to be like, let me live in my little misery for two two or three days. Let me, and, and one thing, sorry, I'm just going to say that. And, and that's it. One thing that people really hate it. Well, the, the senior people, the management people um, they didn't like it when I said that. But I said, part of also being resilient is understanding what I need in order to be resilient. And sometimes that's going to be three glasses of wine. Sometimes it's going to okay. be three, four cigarettes in, in a day be, just, just to help me cope with things around me. And unhealthy behaviors are part of that. That's How many of us engage in unhealthy behavior? Just like eating fucking good burger when you're having a shitty day. How good can that be for, for you in that moment? But if you have that critical voice, that's like, no, no, you shouldn't. You should, you should be healthy. You should do this. You should. Sometimes you, that self-love and self-compassion is I'm having a bad day. 
Let me have that bad day. The balance of that is really important, right? Because absolutely, I, I made a post the other day, but I spoke about alcohol, and I was like, "Why are you drinking for pleasure or an escape?" Yeah. So like, <laughs> so like, if you're doing it for an escape too often, I don't think that's healthy. Never. But like finding the balance, like you said, is great. Because even that example that you gave. I see myself as that energy guy, right? And everyone around me is like, oh, it's so much fun to be around you or whatever. Your brain is different, Darren. Okay. But <laughs> it's different. Yeah, yeah. but... But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, when say, when I do feel a little bit down, I hate seeing people yeah. because I feel like now I'm being a thing on them. Like, I'm like, shit. I'm that guy that they like to be around. Now I'm yeah. coming like You have this, this responsibility towards them. I feel responsible. Yeah. So now I can't like not, and I turn up like this, they're probably thinking, oh, it's fucking, what's wrong with this prick? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So there's also that pressure as well. And you saying, you're giving me therapy right now, actually. Mm -hmm. You saying that is like, kind of going to force upon me to be like, you know what, when I'm not feeling like that, fuck it, I'm just going to chill for the day. Answering what you said also about um, all the things that, that can improve people's sort of mental health and, so mindset and feeling, feeling good and, and things like that. Uh, the three things that I actually sort of go to all the time, uh, exercise, that's, as Nicole mentioned, so important, releases a bunch of chemicals in your brain, dopamine goes up, serotonin goes up. These are chemicals that make you feel good, motivated. Cortisol levels go up and then drop so you feel less stress. Uh, exercise even has been proven to reduce your risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. That's how amazing exercise is. Uh, regular exercise we're talking about 180 minutes per week of exercise is fantastic the other thing is sunlight exposure vitamin D so so important you yeah. have cells you have cells basically in your eyes that pick up light and your skin pick, picks up light as soon as you go outside even when you sit in uh, near a window you're working you pick up sunlight and that increases your testosterone increases your estrogen you feel better. I mean, uh, there was a big study that said um, people that are exposed to sunlight more often, uh, they're more sexually aroused, more in better romantic relationships, uh, score themselves better. Sunlight exposure is so critical. Okay, sick. All right, I just want to add something. Great. No, go on, go on, go on. You're going to add something okay. funny. No, no, not funny. No, no, you. no, no I'm <laughs> <laughs> I agree with all of that. Even the fact that earlier today, that when I didn't feel good, when I stepped outside, there was clear skies today. 100%. I felt 10 times better instantly. Instantly. When I, as soon as I walked out, when we linked up, mm. instantly felt better. I've also lived in Australia for three, four years, right? Sunlight is always about when it's all year round, it's pretty decent weather. You can pretty much wear shorts and t-shirt most time, like what, eight months of the year or yeah, something? At least. Yeah. And yeah. even when it's winter, it's yeah. sunny. It's, sunny. it's decent, yeah. right? I think there's also an opposite effect of that. Obviously, I ain't no doctor. I didn't look at studies and stuff. But what I do do is talk to... do do. <laughs> I talk to a lot of people, a lot of clients. And what I've seen from a lot of Australians and people that do come from countries that, are, that do get a lot of vitamin D is when they go from that to the UK, the drop is mad. Well, that's what happened to me. That's what happened to you, did it? See? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, when I, I moved here three years ago, 2000 and end of 2018, and lived in Australia my whole life. Was exposed to sun a lot, I guess, and, and the lifestyle there is very different to here. When I first moved here, the first three months would have been probably the hardest three months of me being an adult in my entire life. Wow. But it, it wasn't 
when I look back now, I can be like, okay, well, you know, it's just like normal things that went on. But to me at the time, it was one of the hardest things to deal with. And it was winter. It was like October, November, December. And yeah, there was periods where I was like, I'm going to throw the towel and I'll move back to Australia. (laughs) Think about it. Just like, uh, you know, in the UK, it's a common thing. As soon as you find out it's going to be sunny, your whole mood uplifts yeah, yeah, you're a yeah. different person you're like oh my god it's gonna be sunny what do you want to do the picnic uh, let's get together you know it really elevates your mood and part of it is that exposure to sunlight mm. which increases those hormones those good hormones for you and make you feel better honestly sunlight exposure go for a walk every single day for half an hour that's advice from neuroscience every single morning what about from uh, genetically, uh, would say say my background, Mediterranean or whatever, would I need more vitamin D than a white guy? That's <laughs> that's not how it works. Okay, no, I was wondering because no. I, I remember someone said something about you. If you're deficient in vitamin D or something, you'll you'll probably suffer more than someone that is um, more robust to these conditions. Yeah. So I didn't know if that was legit or not. So I know that I think in countries such as in European countries, obviously there's less sun. So naturally, Caucasian people are more in need of vitamin D to have less sun exposure compared to other places in the world. Uh, but things such as sort of ethnicity and things like that, from my understanding, uh, my little understanding of the field, don't seem to be a, sort of a key factor. Okay, cool. What, um, what would you say to someone that's, what advice would you give to someone that's uh, constantly overwhelmed? Chill. Smoke some weed. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Get that serotonin. (laughs) Overwhelmed? Why are you overwhelmed? Are we not you? But like, why is the person? Sorry, this is. Why is the person? Your hair looks good, don't worry. No, no, no. It's just it's it's a a podcast. They're not looking at you. I know. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not that. It's just like lining. Um, (laughs) Overwhelmed? You're overwhelmed because you have too much on your plate. Why do you have too much on your plate? And what are those things that are that are on your plate. Um, listen, my, my favorite question is why, and some people don't ask it enough, some people ask it too much. Um, again, it's finding that that nice uh, moderation of, of it, but why are we overwhelmed? There's there's something, we're not supposed to be to feel overwhelmed. So why are we overwhelmed? Because I'm not good enough. I'm trying to do everything. Perhaps. That wasn't me, by the way. I know, <laughs> but, but perhaps. And, and what you'll realize is that the core belief that we're not good enough is the most common one most people don't think that they are good enough. And there's always this question of compensating, compensating in one place or another. And I won't lie, but this whole social media rise is just, it's for me, that's the real pandemic. That's, that's the real problem. Okay. Great. Well, the reason for that, think about it, Darren, like we have a little box uh, in our pockets that can, send us so much stimuli, like so much to levels we're not used to. Uh, If you think about, I mean, even 30 years ago, uh, the fact that now you could like have an iPhone nowadays and that has everything you need on it, especially on social media where you have constant notifications, pictures, and that overstimulates your brain. Dopamine, 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 dopamine. 100%. And to be fair, like this whole dopamine thing is is such an interesting subject. I really think uh, by sort of certain behaviors, we can actually moderate how we feel about things and we can actually start to enjoy things a lot more if, I mean, we can go into it if if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, of course. But um, there's basically evidence 
that when you do a certain activity, a very enjoyable activity over and over again, basically that threshold of dopamine needed for you to enjoy that thing rises so high. So now when you're doing that thing, you're not going to find it enjoyable. So let's say, for example, like, you know, I love going to the gym with my friends. That's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I go to the gym with my friends. I receive a little burst of dopamine. Feels great. Now, the problem is next time I go to the gym, that peak is going to be slightly higher. So I'm going to enjoy it, but it's going to require a lot more. Maybe this time my friend is there, but another friend is there. Or maybe I'm listening to music at the same time. So that by doing your favorite activities in the, under the best conditions, you're increasing the threshold needed for you to enjoy the activity. So that's why people need to like mix up their activities. This is almost, this is also like, um, remember back in the day, like you'd have to like download a song on LimeWire or something. I don't know. Like, and then you would that. enjoy it. Yeah, yeah you'd you enjoy it, right? It. you work for it. So you'd enjoy it when you're downloading something yeah. or you can't find something on YouTube and you're searching for it. And when you find it, you're like, oh my days, I can't believe I found it. Man, in- instant gratification will ruin the world. 100%. It's already ruining the world. 100%. But instant gratification, these these this exposure to so much information that triggers a lot of your of your own insecurities it takes it takes one click of 30 seconds of you looking at something for so many of your conscious and unconscious uh, beliefs and 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 insecurities to be triggered like that yeah what does that how, how it's it's a nightmare and i yeah. don't i don't think that people are talking about it enough but it will it will slash already is ruining a lot of people's mental health. 100%. It's really, really, really it, bad. It, it's constant comparison for most. It's I know so this from bad. like the influences and stuff that I know. It's so bad. They're constantly looking like even what you just said, that threshold, an example, I guess another example of that would be waking up, first thing, looking at your phone, yep. scroll, scroll, haha, yep. funny dog doing yep. some weird shit, I don't know, or someone being funny or whatever it is. Dopamine's up and you're consistent and you keep scrolling. Next thing you know, I've been on TikTok for 45 minutes no, 100%. <laughs> and I haven't even noticed that you're in this rabbit hole. Right? 100%. And on top of that, if you think about it, when you do sort of uh, things over and over again, they become less enjoyable. So that initially you find, might have found that video enjoyable and then the next day it's not as fun. And once again, you're setting that threshold for your dopamine to be so high. And this is sorry, sorry. That, that it's so difficult for you to, to meet that criteria. And at the same time, uh, when you do something really, really fun, you do it usually experience like a massive drop in dopamine following that. That's why uh, sometimes, you know, when you do something really fun, you feel really low after it. Um, you're like, okay, this is the best thing. I'm at this party with Darren. So fun. <laughs> Music is great. You go home and you're just like, oh, Darren's okay. a cunt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what I wanted to say was about the attention deficit as well. Like when you talk about that threshold, the first thing that I thought about it was, uh, a year ago, I was told, yeah, do like Instagram video, let them be a minute of you explaining some something about psychology. Now I was talking to a social media thing, whatever, officer, I don't know how they call them. And um, they're like, no more than 30 seconds. And I'm like, so so what is next? Like t- 10 seconds, seconds, 15 it's, seconds. What, what, what am I supposed your, to say? Have you looked think, at your insights? Have you yeah. looked at your insights where it yeah, says yeah. like, uh, how long... How many people have watched your full video? Bro, why do you think my videos, I'm doing dumb shit in between every educational thing that I say. I'm doing what I can to hold that person there. But how horrible is it? It's crazy. It's actually crazy. 
for, for, for the recipient of that, what we are doing, no, yeah. not you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are adapting to yeah, what the, yeah. the audience is wanting. The problem is not you, the problem is the audience. Yeah. But that's where we're, we're heading. And I keep on thinking, I'm like, what, how can you even maintain that? And mm. if you go back and the last 10 years have changed everything in a way that, that before that you had like a good 50 years that was the same. But in those last 10 years, we have changed centuries of the way that some stuff were, were done. And, and when I think about my parents and I think about like, I always compare myself to like, my mom for me is probably like most of your mothers, like just this like super mom that like used to do everything and anything and like on top of things and didn't need much sleep and just, and I'm like, how would she, how can she do that? And just this idea that she did not actually have social media. She, she had probably a good three hours in her day where she was not scrolling down, up and down, looking at stuff or even having to like um, advertise herself on, on on these platforms. And even if you go back, I was like, I was saying this to a friend, I'm like, God, I wish I worked in like the 70s where all I did needed to do was like put an advert in like the yellow pages and that's it. Max, max, max. Yeah, like old school you'd marketing. Pro you'd probably be happier. I promise, because now it's like, if you're not on Instagram, if you're not on Facebook, if you don't have a YouTube channel, if you don't have a podcast, if you don't, you need so much to keep up. And I'm like, fuck, man, I, I don't want to. You know what the worst bit about that is? I think we're, sorry, how old do you, if you don't mind me asking? 30. Okay, cool. So I think we're like, we're all very lucky. Because I feel like we saw, yeah. I, had, I had a lot of fun the as 90s. a kid. Yes. I had a lot of fun. And then the transition into social media with MySpace, Facebook, yeah, yeah. was like almost like the perfect time for me to understand both worlds. Yeah, yeah. I feel sorry for the kids at the minute. Of course. Because that threshold you're talking about, yeah. I, I see, and I'm not saying anything to parents that do this, or do your thing, whatever. I get it if you're at dinner and you need some time out yeah. from your kids and your kids are on iPads. But see, it's blame. easy. It's easy. Take the, take the iPad. Go. Yes. It's easy. Yeah. And I don't blame them because yeah. when you've had a fucking shitty day and you're just tired, it's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that could that could potentially create that threshold, that dope, all of that. Of course. Well, later 100%. on, of course. those kids are going to consistently want more I guess you know what I mean like anything you do now like even when I post something I get 3,000 likes I'm like yeah. I need more yeah no 100% <laughs> what do I do to get more <laughs> that's that more. dopamine that's exactly that <laughs> you dopamine. know what I mean what can we do then as a society to to help the the generation coming through like I mean we're not going to win this battle against social media no that, that's here to stay no, right? You're, that, that's, you're that's right. here so you're what, right. what do we do then maybe not as parents even just as like um you as an influencer, m me working with like young influencer. kids as well, like training, I train teenagers as well. You know, what, what can I do to, the, in, in situations like that to help them? Listen, I've, I've thought a lot about, about that. And so in two terms, the, the, the parenting thing is, I think it's very cyclical. Every, every couple of generations, there's something that, that, that happens again. And the, the generation, like the people that are now in their forties that had children that are probably, you know, teenagers at the moment or a bit younger, um, they they did not really follow up on that on that social media change that that happened. So children are really teaching them a lot about that, and and they are growing as like with them. Whereas right. our generation has been, I don't know if we're all the same age, more more or less. I think we no. are. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, are a lot more involved with social media. So for example, if I decide to have children. I know for a fact everything that there is to know about social media and the and the bad effects of it. So I will know how to moderate that with my own children and will do my best 
to to try and and do that. And I think the the awareness that we have on this is very different from parents who are now in their 40s, 50s, who who when this whole thing was happening, they were already in like their mid 30s. They they did not maybe follow up on it as much as 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 we did. That's that's on the parenting side. There's just going to be again more effort, yeah, more yeah, effort. Yeah. And I always say it having children is the most difficult thing in the world. The second most difficult thing is being in a long-term relationship. These are the two things that Aaron need cons. Been in one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, is something. Why, this is why your life's easy. You're not no, no. Of those two <laughs> <laughs> Problem is, what, I first did have a really long one and that, no, it didn't, didn't fuck me up, but I'm just... It, Probably it did. Uh, yeah, it that, did. That, 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 <laughs> that's a good reason to come to therapy. I'm going to have to come see you. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my specialty is relationship. That, that's, a, that's what I did for my... Oh my days, we need to do another podcast on that. So I, I, yeah, I love, I love that stuff. Um, the second thing, when you were talking about it as a, as a society, there's no, no tool in the world more powerful than transparency. Okay? When you go in and you are coaching people, and you, for example, have on your page people that you've already coached, but understand there's... Again, on social media, we see end results, right? I look at influencers' pages. I see the end result of something that probably took a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of things that maybe I do not have. The fact that people misinterpret the, the, the easiness of something gives me the impression that, well, that looked so easy. Why can't I do it? Well, I can't do it because I'm not good enough or I'm not pretty enough or I'm not whatever enough. But if I know that I'm not able to get to this face or this platform because I'm not rich enough, I haven't done like all these plastic surgery things, I don't have like all this money in order to like pay people to help me. Like there are so many things that happen backstage that we are not aware of. When you see that final product and you are made to think that it was so easy, yeah. that fucks you up. Yeah. As simple as that. So when I say we cannot, like you said, we're not going to fight social media. But if you can, if you can, anyone who's listening to that, please, influencers, show transparency. Yeah. Trans, it's all about that transparency. Knowing that, oh, okay, I'm not like that because I don't have so many things or I haven't. Like, for example, I, I, there was this, um, this influencer that insisted on the fact that she did not have cosmetic surgery. Insisted. And then there was a, a, a leaked video of her at a, at a salon where like she did. And you can see how uh, hurt, hurt, hurtful it was for her. Like just this whole process. And I was like, wow, do you know how many people now feel relieved looking at that video, understanding that, oh, okay, she doesn't look like that naturally. And, and if I wanted, I could also look like that, but I would have to go through all these different procedures. But you know what? I actually don't want to hurt. Like, I don't want to go through that. So I make peace. I then can make peace with the fact that I don't look like that. It's not because I'm not good enough. It's just because I'm not willing to put this kind of money or this kind of pain or whatever. Transparency is is our most powerful tool, again, in my, in my opinion. Anyone listen to this, uh, that's on social media. If no one is educating you, making you smile or making you feel good, unfollow the fuck out of them. But like, the problem is that there are a lot of them now. Even when you don't want... Do you know how many things I... 
I'm like, no relevant, no relevant, no relevant on, on Instagram. And it keeps on bombarding me. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to look at that the shit. The algorithms. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm like, I don't want. And probably the algorithm knows that like, I don't want to look at that shit because it, it triggers me or it hurts me. I remember I was doing my PhD sitting fucking eight hours just writing stuff and would look at Instagram, all these people traveling the world and doing all these things. And it would literally get to me. And I'm like, why, why, why am I doing this? And these people can do it like that and it feels so nice and so easy. It's it's hard work as well being, you know that. Yeah, it's yeah. hard work doing what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some people don't think that it's that difficult. Yeah, no. I, I'm sure you know, like what they show on social media is quite different to real life. Obviously, you're yeah, sort yeah. of on social media. I think, I think it's... Sort of. Sort of social media. I, think, I, think I don't want to call you an influencer because I know no, you don't like that. No, someone already did. Didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think there's a big difference between like uh, the people that I guess just post a picture of like their physique or something or the way they look and they get a lot of followers and a lot of likes and then they do an ad from it and then they just make money through that, which I think is very easy, right? Yeah, yeah. But from my standpoint. I'm doing it to actually for my business and mm. to educate people and to give people a service. So everything that I do or create has a purpose, which takes a very long time to build mm. and then hopefully generate an income from it so I can have the freedom to do more. But people can don't can you give it. us an example? An example for like, a, like how like when go. you say like to give a purpose, like there's a purpose. Yeah. The purpose is to, be able to educate someone so they don't have to go around in circles with their fitness and health, right? Okay. Be like, if I took you on as a client for a month or two, three months, it'll be teaching you the very basic fundamentals of nutrition, fitness, training, the things that you need to know. So then you can go off on your own without having to jump from one thing to another. But for me to get you to understand that I need to create content in a way that you would understand yeah. so yeah. I can capture your attention and go, you know what? This guy seems genuine. And then oh, this guy really wants to help someone or uh, forget helping someone because I don't, I don't want to give that corny shit where I'm like, I do it because I want to help someone. I'll do it because it makes me fucking feel good. <laughs> Great, but what makes you feel good as well is helping people. Yeah, it, like, and do, it helps. Yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. Like that, but, but see, using Instagram as a tool for that is very different from using Instagram as a tool to show, pe yeah, yeah, and yeah. show people that that's the life that I got. That's that, that you know, that's what I'm doing. And I, and I know like, as someone said, because I, I mean, I'm going to be very honest. I hate this Instagram shit. It. Like, I really, really, really so dislike annoying, it. Yeah. I don't like doing the videos. I don't like <laughs> posting shit. I don't like interacting. I don't like interacting virtually. Like that, it's it's just not for me. Mm. But I have to do it because it's the new thing. It brings me quite a lot of clients. It's a good it's a good business uh, generator. And for me, that page is like, what am I using this page for? Educating people, raising awareness, empowering, whatever. My private stuff. That's my little ego, whatever, you know. So well, close I'll friends yeah, and... close friends. I'll share what I'm doing. I'll feel a bit good about my cooking and stuff like that. But to 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 promote this as the ultimate image, influencers, especially women influencers, do not realize, I think, the negative impact that they are having no, they don't. on people. Yeah. And that and that is sad. And if they do and they are ignoring it, that is even sadder. No, it very sad. You know what? No, I don't, you know what? A lot of times I don't think they're ignoring it. I think they're trying to deal with their own insecurities. Probably. And that's their way of dealing it, but they don't realize the impact it can Probably. make because they're scared in essence of being vulnerable Probably. about their, I don't know if the word is weaknesses or whatever you want to call it, to show that. But really they don't realize when you actually show that, it actually empowers people a lot yeah. more. Do you know, at the same time, it also affects uh, 
on a different side. It affects um, men's perception and expectations of sort of the standards. <laughs> for women as so well. it's like yeah, and for women of course, and it's kind of fueling each other. It's like a cycle, like a vicious. It's cycle. bad. It's bad. That's why I hate filters. Yeah, filters so dangerous. Fair I hate it. Fair I enough. hate filters. Fair enough. I'm like, you don't need that filter, man. You look mm. good. Relax. Mm. You know what I mean? Fair, fair enough. And then one could argue, I'm putting on, I have makeup on now. Isn't that also a kind of a filter? But that's that's the thing. There's, I remember I had this client. She used to come into every session full makeup, like, like probably a good hour of like putting on makeup, and that was her mask because people, she didn't want people to really see who who she was, like, and and you realize that makeup filters, it's it's all that. It's it's this desire of not wanting to really show who who you are and i think the fact that men don't have this accessibility the same way that what that women do there's already um i think they do in different things how physical appearance um but but how like um how you would look say like the perfect shape having perfect abs having perfect pecs mm-hmm. having a, a perfect hairline having um, I don't know, being financially comfortable, I guess, to provide for, say, a family or yeah. this and that. There's all these yeah. pressures, I think, yeah, that yeah. a lot of men don't know how to deal with because, because I guess sometimes the expectation, say, from women possibly could be really high. Therefore, they don't know how to deal with it because most of these guys are walking around being rejected most of the time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then you've got guys like Nick coming in trying to, Take women sweeping them off their feet and night. What's wrong with you, bro? <laughs> <laughs> so I think it, it there's. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it goes from both places, but I think I think we all have we all have insecurities that we're kind of working through. And I think one of the best ways to do that is, I guess, realizing that. And even though it takes, a, even though if it takes a long time for you to deal with those things, it's just important, I guess to recognize and that's why that. i think therapy is so important um, not just if you're clinically in need of it but even to change your and challenge your thoughts um i'm sure a lot of people come to you they're not necessarily clinic clinically in need of uh, of help but just most challenge. of my clients exactly and you want to they want uh, you to challenge their thoughts their negative thoughts their, yeah. their self-esteem uh, that's maybe a bit low um and i think it's so important and even on the brain, the impact that that has, like that plasticity that I mentioned, that yeah. change is so crucial. Um, that's why I'm so glad that therapy is becoming so popular amongst everyone. Yeah, yeah I think <clears throat> it's a way more common thing to speak about. I don't know if maybe it becomes more common as you get older, maybe. I don't know if that's a thing, but... Um, How do you find the right changed? one? Society's changed, though. How do you find the right one? Yeah. Very good, good question. Ther- therapist. Very good question. No, no. That's for a different session. That's a different session. That's the biggest obstacle with therapists because uh, like when you look for a medical doctor, you look for them to be like in a good hospital. You don't necessarily need the relationship to be there. You yeah. just want their credentials to be quite good. Yeah. In therapy, if you can have five PhDs, know all the different techniques in the world, if there is, if your therapist and you don't have a good relationship or a good connection, forget it. But it's the same in our, in our field as well. It's the exact same thing. You know, you've got um, people who have masters in, you know, high performance sport could have... Doesn't mean shit. Yeah, could have yeah. read every single textbook about, you know, biomechanics, anatomy, physiology, and then can't talk to somebody, can't 
at level yeah, with yeah. someone. Okay. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so sa- I guess it's the same thing. Right? I mean, like, listen, d- when d- I... Sorry, sorry, I was going to say, Darren has three PhDs in sort of uh, communication. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely has one in there. Yeah, 100%. I've got... Um, like before we end the podcast and that, I'm not even going to lie, I could probably talk about this shit for like yeah. three, four hours. Mm-hmm. But um, I put a little Q&A up for on like social media for like questions for you guys. Um, okay, so one question. When it comes to reviewing your past to heal the present, what is your approach? Oh, are you, do you want to answer the psychology part? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the fun work for, for, for a therapist because... Repeat the question. So I use the, the the same words. When it comes to reviewing your past to heal the present, what is your approach? So, for example, my approach is what I call integrative therapy. And I love my approach so, so much because I've been triggered and trained in what we call psychodynamic, humanistic and CBT. One looks, psychodynamic looks at the past. Humanistic looks more at the present, how we make sense of certain things. CBT is more solution focused. Like I have a problem, symptoms, I I look for that. The way that you integrate these three things together is how you you use your past, you heal from your past into into your present. Now, you have a lot of therapists that are only one of those, one of those things. And what I don't necessarily like about we I usually call them like more schoolists like they're more into one school of thought as opposed to a combination of all of all three the bad thing with that is that there are limitations with every one of them there are limitations with everything so when you don't have another approach in order to meet the limitations of of that so CBT doesn't look at all at the past I wouldn't be able to work like that I don't do just CBT because I need to know I need to learn about your childhood I need to understand who you are as a person and we are eclectic people like we are we are not just a combination of one or two things. Like I said, like we said, like we've been saying since the beginning of that podcast, it's impossible to just look at one thing. So I always encourage clients to look at the goal that they want. What is it that you want from therapy? If someone says, listen, I can only afford 10 sessions. I want to get rid of my phobia. I'll be the first one to say, go to a CBT therapist. Okay. Okay. But if someone is here saying, i there are, there are past traumas. I want to get into my life a bit more and I'm into long-term therapy. My insurance can cover it. I can pay for it, whatever. Then then go for that. Go for someone that, that is an integrative therapist, mainly if that resonates with you. Some people just want to go to one of those approaches. Fine. But look at what you are looking for and, and educate yourself. Unfortunately, ask therapists. Ask for phone calls. I always tell my clients, call me, like ask for a phone call before you book a session. See how I feel. And if if you like the sound of my voice, if we can feel a connection and ask your questions. If your goal is that, can I meet them? So ask. Okay, cool. Amazing. Um, how long, how long uh, would it take to f- form a habit and how long to get rid of a habit? Habits, yeah. So obviously <laughs> when we talk about habits, we, I mean, we briefly touched upon uh, yeah. on, on that. Uh, habits are things that, are, uh, as Nicole said really nicely, they're automatic behaviors. Like you have a habit to make your bed in the morning. You don't really think about it. You just wake up and do it. And these take time. These things take time to build. Um, habits can form over days, weeks, months. There was a study that said that uh, some people, it takes them eight days to build a habit. Others, it takes them 80 days. Okay. Yeah. So that's it depends on the person. 100%. But doesn't it also depend on the habit itself? It depends on the habit. It depends on the person. It depends on uh, how you deal with uh, doing things that you don't enjoy or, or wanting to do something new. Uh, personality will mention things like that are key. From there, uh, you have this habit 
uh, you want to build this habit, um, it takes time. So obviously you can't compare yourself to your friends or to your family or, or whoever else. From there, you want to engage in a set of behaviors that will lead to what I said earlier, those neurons firing together. Mm. Those brain cells being active at the same time. Okay. That synaptic plasticity, that's what they call it, uh, the, the fancy term. Yeah. Once that happens, and that happens over days, you'll start developing um, developing habits in, in the brain, and they'll support your behavior. Okay. That's how habits generally are formed. And on the other, on the other hand, uh, breaking habits is breaking those connections. Those neurons are firing together in a very strong way. Uh, those neurons that support that particular behavior. So what you want to do is break the habit by not doing those behaviors. Sounds easy, obviously. Yeah. But engaging in a more adaptive replacement, so doing something else at that particular yeah. time. Can I can I just add one thing? The the first step to breaking a habit is bringing your consciousness into the habit. So not doing it in an automatic, I'm not thinking about, but bringing a lot of your awareness into this habit. So as simple as like, if, if a client of mine has a habit of thinking in a specific way, I say, just notice yourself going into this pathway. It's like pausing, 100%. taking your iPad and like zooming in. Mm. And I really want you to realize all the little different steps that you are doing before you get like as you are getting into this habit. And build so, those habits in the morning. That's a funny uh, little experiment ooh, they've done. Interesting. Yeah. So your dopamine levels are really high in the morning. So you're motivated. Boom. And <laughs> as the day progresses, your dopamine levels drop and serotonin increases. Good. That's why you feel chilled. That's why in the afternoon, you don't really want to work. Oh, First sick. thing in the morning, your cortisol increases, dopamine is high. Build those habits then. That's the best time. I work the hardest in the morning. I'm like up, walk, you, you emails, up, up. this. 5, 6 a.m. Yeah, every single day. I feel day. good, yeah. I like being Very there. inspirational, yeah. honestly. Like, That's great. My yeah. guy. Um, <laughs> someone goes... Look at his friend. We've got a couple... <laughs> yeah. got a couple more. Someone goes, can you explain to Darren why editing that episode at Not In Order was so triggering and clickbaity? This person's still angry at me, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, big man, if you're listening to this, uh, the reason these people are here is because I did that. So what you can do is... Fuck off. Oh, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> what happened to empathy? Uh, you know what well, that is? to be, to be fair, love, that person... Love, no, love. but to be fair, that person as well is a bit No, they were, they were trying to trigger you. Like, no, yeah. they were trying to trigger me, they but I, I thought I'll add a little twist. Yeah, in no, 100%. But, um, okay. I, got, I had a good one here. Oh, are fear and excitement the same physical feeling in the body? Interesting. Fear and excitement. I... It, well, I'm going to just challenge the word fear because fear is, is very, very big. And sometimes, no, like if you see a tiger, you're not excited about seeing a tiger. You're <laughs> like generally afraid of seeing that. Well, if it's attacking you, I hope you're not excited about it because uh, then it's another problem. But um, anxiety, like if we go back to that to that word, like there, there's good stress and bad stress. For me, good stress is is that excitement. It's that challenge. Today was the first time that I did a podcast. Oh, really? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I was even telling them I've never even listened to a podcast. I'm Can very, you believe that? Yeah, yeah. Which is quite weird. I, I do quite acknowledge busy. that. I do acknowledge that. Um, uh, but yeah, I was like, ooh, like I'm, I'm feeling like that's a bit, that's a bit weird. But I was able to recognize it as that's excitement. That's me getting outside of my comfort zone. That's it's a challenge. It's it's a bit different. Anxieties, that that fear that this person is talking about feels a bit more negative. It's not. It's 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 not about getting outside of your comfort zone. It's not about being happy about something. But it feels, it's like it's a happy plus anxiety. That's excitement for me. Okay. When the brain is not... different as well. I mean, the fear has a 
very specific circuit yeah. uh, that becomes overactive. Uh, the amygdala, one of the structures I mentioned, um, is overactive. And the prefrontal cortex, the front of your brain, can't calm uh, your amygdala, amygdala down. Uh, so fear is very uh, sort of uh, first starts uh, as a you experience the stressor, then it's a bodily reaction. It's that fight or flight. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's why um, what happens is your body uh, and your legs um, become really sort of active. Your heart starts to race because you need to get that blood flow. Uh, on the other hand, for example, your digestion slows down. So there's a whole fight or flight system. Vicky's enjoying this. Yeah. No, this is like good. parasympathetic, sympathetic. 100%. Yeah. That's exactly. I mean, you guys are exactly. Right. I know this no, stuff. I'll, I'll can I you. can I just add something about about fear? Fear is the fear is the is the engine that that triggers everything else in in your life. And one of the most cliche sentences or questions that therapists will always ask is, you know, what what are you really afraid of? And you realize that in all the different centers. So you, Darren, what are you really afraid of into getting another getting married, in, married or into, <laughs> into another relationship? Yeah. Do you see what I mean? But it's always you go always back to that. There's yeah. there's a fear. Yeah. And fear are most of the time, again, unless it's a tiger in front of you, but fear are 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 made in your own head and there are yeah. very irrational things. But they can also be very good. Like that's the other thing. Yeah. It's like for example, in evolution evolutionary terms, fear tells you to avoid certain dangers and stresses. Survival, isn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Of so course. for example, um if you have a, a dysfunctional perception of fear. So your uh, processing of fear is wrong. It's not working. You're going to die. That's what's going to happen. You're not going to survive in society. Um, Hence, we have to make that distinction also about how fear is an important part of life. And it's okay to be scared uh, of things. And and that's why I make always a difference between rational and irrational fears. Most of our fears in this society, in this country, I mean, again, if you live in a jungle, it's a bit different. But like here... Yeah, most of our fears are are quite irrational. Mm-hmm. They are they are products of a lot of beliefs that we have constructed ourselves. You know, I we've got to finish in two minutes, but I could honestly go on for ages and ages. I just want to say thank you guys for coming on. And to be honest, I'd love to have you guys on again just to talk about this stuff again into more depth, I guess. It would be great. Relationship and marriage. (laughs) I'll tell you why I was afraid and maybe why I'm not now later about that. I'll tell you later as well. But before you go, <laughs> in this conversation that we've had, just to finish off with some fun, yeah. how would you have analyzed us three? It's a big question. <laughs> analyze, and you can be as brutal and but, as honest as you want. Analyze? Like, no, I haven't analyzed any 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 of you. And can don't I leave forget. Before, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I like no. Let me don't 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 force me to do that. Okay, okay, I want, I want. But it's um no, but like you can you can see some some traits. Okay, I cool. I'm gonna be very honest with you through your Instagram because obviously like yeah. I didn't I stalk you. I had a look. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good way of putting it. I had a look. Um, I thought you were gonna be a bit more aggressive. Like, that's what I thought. I thought, I was like, okay, he, there, there's a bit of a, that's why I use the word bully. Like, that was yeah, my, yeah, there's yeah, a bit yeah. of that bully attitude, yeah. you know, which which I am very used to, like, in, from my personal entourage. But yeah. I thought that 
it was going to be more challenging. Like I thought that I was going to have to like almost challenge you or you challenging people, yeah, but yeah. very recip- quite the opposite. Yeah. You were very, very recipient. He wiped out on the mat. <laughs> 100% picks the new, new but, game. But, but you see, you have to sometimes be like that on social media to capture someone's attention so they listen to enough. this. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Which is, again, fair enough. I guess a bit, a bit, but I'm so happy. This is sick. I've episode. enjoyed this a lot. I'm so oh, glad oh, sorry, Nick. Fun. I didn't realize you were here, big man. Uh, uh, Nick, <laughs> Nick had some good questions, though. Yeah, yeah come with the questions. Your podcast would be shit. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, um, can you please tell everyone where they can find you? I want them to find you because yeah, you're uh, obviously very good at what you do. So, are you, you. Nas. And I know you started posting stuff on socials and I see that content, bro. Trying to help people understand their brain a little bit more and yeah. help them live, live a bit better. So, where can they find you? So, uh, Instagram, Nas Neuro. Nas Neuro. Ooh, yeah. wait, change that to Neuro Nas. It's been taken. Really? Yeah, I thought about that. Oh, you need a t shirt, bro. I'll report him. I'll report him. Thanks. Can we all report him? Yeah, yeah. Tell your phone. Neuro Nas, what about you, Nicole? Uh, Dr. Nicole Nasser on Instagram. A doctor. Simple, yeah. Doctor. Not like Dr. Dre, actual doctor. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But uh, thank you a lot. Like, I, I really enjoyed that. And really? yeah, would like really to do fun. it again. Guys, uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, if anyone did get offended from my last podcast, I hope this makes up for it. Um, yeah. And also, make sure you share this with your friends and family that you think it will help them. And also, Nick, tell them where they can find you as well. Sorry, brother, I forgot you because you're that my, you know, you're my boy, innit? So, yeah. uh, I'm thank on, you I'm very on, much. I'm I'm on, It's coming out. It's coming out. That bully uh, said it's coming N- out. Nicole, do you have a free hour at six o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, I'm, I'm on Instagram. What's that? Do you know how I forget it? Go on, no, no, go, go, go. Nah, I'm, on, I'm on Instagram, Coach Nick Garcia. Uh, you can message me on there. You can message him on there. He does post once every eight months. <laughs> I'm, I'm anti-Instagram. Instagram hiatus. But yeah. see, yeah, it's in phases, I feel. Yeah. yeah Guys, thank you very much for listening. Peace and love. And I'll see you a lot later.